Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Jill Smokler. She is a New York Times bestselling author who became an authentic voice for millions of imperfect moms through her website, Scary Mommy, which Jill launched in 2008. Scary Mommy began as a chronicle of Jill's stay-at-home days with her children and quickly transformed into a vibrant community of women brought together by a common theme, parenting doesn't have to be perfect. And 20. 15, Jill sold Scary Mommy to a large media company, and now she's back with She's Got Issues, a podcast for Gen X women focusing on the myriad issues uniting us. Welcome, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. I want to talk a lot about your second act with the podcast, but let's go back and talk first about Scary Mommy and what brought you to found Scary Mommy in the before times. Desperation. (laughs) Incomplete desperation. It really was not intended to be anything other than an online diary, something for me to pour myself into. I really didn't know blogging was when I started. I thought it was just a way, another option to those shutterfly emails that we'd send out, you know, to our friends and family. I thought it was just a way for them to have to opt in to see those rather than me bombard them with those. And then I got my first comment from a stranger person. And I was like, this is really creepy. (laughs) Why is somebody else commenting on my family? When following you was a bad thing back in the day. Being followed was not a positive. Exactly. Who is this creeper? (laughs) Totally. Although I had the same feeling, even though you've put your life on the internet for anybody to read, then when the stranger says they're reading it, it is always like, what? You know me? Exactly. It's a little disconcerting. But then I clicked over to her, you know, and then I saw her blog roll and I started clicking around and reading all of these other people's lives. And I got totally hooked in the mommy blogging world. And from that moment on, I just was obsessed. And I realized quickly on that my experience with motherhood was really limited And I wanted to bring on other voices and learn about other people and represent more than just me. So I started the Scary Mommy Society after about a year. And I would um, host other people on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I would guest post on their blogs every Tuesday and Thursday. And that's how it really started to become a community site. It's such a fascinating origin story. So then it starts to grow. And what does that look like as it starts to become a much bigger thing? 
I'd say the turning point when it really exploded was the confessional. And that was an anonymous place, sort of Twitter link statement, anonymous, totally anonymous, even to me, statements where people could leave confessions. I thought they would be pretty lighthearted. I left the first probably 50 (laughs) just to populate them. (laughs) And mine were very much like my kids had mac and cheese, you know, four nights for dinner, just generic, just confessions that were authentic and true to me, but nothing super outlandish. But it really brought about just people's deepest confessions and just their thoughts on parenthood and the struggles they went through. And it really opened things up in a way that people weren't willing to when they had their name attached to their stories. I want to say something about that, Jill. I just want to pause on that because I think it's so important. So many of our listeners have little kids, you know, and were a lot younger than us in 2008. And I feel like listening to this now, like you had a place where people could confess their real thoughts, what motherhood was really like. And if you're a mom now with a two-year-old and a baby, like that's literally everywhere on every social media platform all the time. But it's like going back and listening to Revolver now and be like, the Beatles were changing. Pop- <laughs> like, the Beatles were really good. What a band. I just yes. discovered that. All the music after. You were the hip club downtown before <laughs> anyone that like, we knew about the hip club downtown before anyone else. <laughs> What I mean is like you listen to Revolver now and it just sounds like popular music, but it's hard to remember that it actually was changing something. So I feel like this really was when you started doing this, Scary Mommy and other places too, like it was sort of for the first time that a lot of this stuff was coming to the surface. It was a really important sea change that has enabled our podcast and everything else that's come after it. Oh, well, thank you. It was definitely a time much like Instagram now where people were really putting a very curated face forward about, you know, it was just an image. And most of the moms out there were putting forward this perfect image of motherhood and parenting. And everybody was in matching outfits. And every time I tried to do that with my kids, they would, you know, just poop on themselves and ice cream would fall and there would be tantrums and everything would fall apart. And I felt like, is this, am I really the only one who this is happening to? And that was, those are sort of the themes of where what my perspective and the people who I would bring on, they were the what united the voices was authenticity and honesty and humor. And I didn't want any voices that were alienating and had any amount of judgment. And that was sort of the common theme. So the confessional really fed things up. And from that point on, I put out a couple of books. And that was really the prime like 2011, 12, 13. That was the height of Scary Mommy for me. That was why books came out. I started the nonprofit. We had the Thanksgiving projects where we supported families who couldn't afford Thanksgiving dinners, which was amazing and so fulfilling. And Christmas as well, right? You did Christmas, yeah. Christmas as well. And we ended up partnering with Toys R Us eventually. And I was able to pay. Another thing that we see now a lot of times, right? Bloggers and people on the internet turning their audience for good. But again, it's it was very pioneering back then. Mm, yeah, thank you. And there were just so many good things coming from Scary Mommy. And it was an amazing time. And then 2015 came around. And that was when Facebook started changing, their algorithm started changing, and Instagram really caught steam. And everything just started to feel really out of control. And 
I sort of started to, it just became too much. Out of control, you mean in terms of managing it as a business prospect, just the volume. Yeah, exactly. It went from being a project that I loved and something that I felt so passionate about and was fun. And I loved being recognized as Scary Mommy and I felt so proud of it. And it was just my identity and I loved it to just something that was draining and I was working on all the time and I couldn't keep up with and it was just page views and business and managing and I just was out of my realm of comfort completely. So it really just became too much. And that's when I opted out. So you sold Scary Mommy. And tell us about that. I sold Scary Mommy in a way that I would not do in retrospect. Uh, It was definitely a learning experience. Like I said, I was really just so burnt out. And I had a very innocent interview. At the time, had just put out a third book to benefit the nonprofit. And I was doing an interview with this media company who was just starting this website to promote it. And the man who owned it, I had made an offhanded comment about just being exhausted and needing to just retire. And he said, well, I happen to be looking to acquire a parenting site. Are you really serious? And I was like... (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I'm looking to dump a parenting site. Are you serious? And from then on, it happened really quickly. It was about a month, and I did not shop it around. We started talking around Thanksgiving. I sold it over Christmas break, and it just felt like this was the perfect out at the perfect time. And I thought it would be, I thought it would keep Scary Mommy very authentic and consistent with what I had built. And that was my biggest concern. I actually, several years ago, had had a conversation with a different parenting company and slightly larger one and was completely turned off to selling it to that type of thing. So I felt like this I was comfortable with. And so I sold it. And for the first year, it was so much fun. I went to New York twice a week. I felt like in a winter, I, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And how old were your kids at this time? Where were you in your own parenting journey amidst all of this? My kids at this time were like 10, 12-ish, 14-ish. So it was tough. But Jeff, my ex-husband now, took the reins and, you know, we just sort of, we dealt with it. But it was not an easy time for that. And so while I was sort of thriving at work, home life was definitely suffering. And then you, at the end of this period of being at Scary Mommy, having sold it, you're working kind of for underneath Scary Mommy, you ended up leaving Scary Mommy. Yeah, leaving Scary Mommy was really abrupt. And basically, in a nutshell, I pretty much aged out of the persona of Scary Mommy, or so that was what the higher ups (laughs) believed. Believed. So I sort of was either... I was given the choice of taking a sort of backseat image-wise and not being the face of Scary Mommy or not finding another role with the company. And I was so offended by that that I just quit. And it was really abrupt. And I felt really empowered by that move because I was just so offended and insulted and exhausted. And I, my mental health and physical health had been suffering. The travel had just accumulated and the kids, everything had just, you know, peaked at its exhaustion. I was at the same point where I had been two years before. Ironically, it was like exactly at the two-year point. And I felt like I was just going to crack. And so I quit. 
And I felt great for like two days. And then I woke up the like third or fourth or whatever day. And I was like, what did I do? (laughs) That was my whole life. (laughs) That was everything. And I want to pause there because I think that when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the aftermath of that, which is really interesting to me. We're talking to Jill Smokler and we'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different and fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. 
So you've built Scary Mommy from this tiny seed to this, whatever the metaphor is, giant oak tree. And I feel like having known you and your story kind of back in the day, from the outside, all of us who had small blogs and were going to conferences and trying to make stuff happen, we're like, oh, she did it. She grabbed the brass ring. She did the thing that everybody wants to do. You build something, you sell it. It's very successful. And then... It reminds me a little bit in, in hearing more about your story through the podcast that it's like, have you seen Into the Woods, the musical? It's like the first act ends and it's like, and happily ever after. And there it is. And from the outside, I feel like that's what we saw of your story, right? Like she did it. It's checkmark and seen. But you kept going on and you found yourself not in that place. So as we pick up your story, talk to us. And I think for a lot of women who you know, were lawyers, doctors, had big careers. So many of my friends were in magazine publishing and they found themselves like, okay, you're home with kids and you're too old. Don't come back. And a lot of people in midlife have found themselves in this place of like, my first act kind of rocked and now I'm a little bit adrift and my kids are getting older and don't like me that much. P.S. That decision maker in many cases is not a woman and not a mother deciding that you are not the right look for woman or motherhood anymore. And at the same time, I had a husband who came out of the closet and that really shook up my personal life in, at the same time as the... That's an extra complicating factor in the story. Yeah, that was a fun little cherry on top. So yeah, when I woke up from that joyful haze of post-Scary Mommy and realized I had no structure, no... You know, at that point, really, all of my close friends were in some way, shape, or form associated with Scary Mommy because I'd either right. I'd been working with them for so long, or I brought them in, or whatever. And it was so painful to talk to them that I just—it was a very surreal time. I had to—I was in a new house because we had to sell, you know, our quote marital house. So it was just everything was completely new. It was a real act too. And it wasn't an act too that I felt rejuvenated and excited about. It was an act too that I felt like, where the fresh hell am I? <laughs> I don't recognize right. any of this. Like I feel like I've been planted in this weird universe. And yeah, it feels like in our metaphor, it was almost like an intermission, like an intermission where the theater was on fire. I'm trying to figure out what the metaphor would be. But like it was not a mm -hmm. it wasn't quite the act two because it wasn't like I'm moving into something new. It was just this pause. Act two of Into mm -hmm. the Woods gets worse and worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and then it starts to get better at the end. But there's a lot of the giant keeps killing people in act two. We like to get extremely lost in our metaphors. We like to have 10 <laughs> metaphors going and we're like, wait a minute. If you're at Into the Woods and the theater's on fire, at, yes. But we understand yeah. that this was this period. Yeah. It just kept feeling like rock bottom to rock bottom to rock bottom. And mm. it was two years of really working through what I had dealt with. I was diagnosed bipolar and it took a long time to get my medication straight and sort of put myself mm. back together again, because I really just feel like I cracked. And it was the result of so many years of stress and accumulation that it, I just couldn't fix myself in a week or a couple months. It took that long. And it was right before COVID that I finally felt like I had my bearings and I was set to like, I was ready with, she's got issues and I um, was ready to sort of roll it out. And then COVID started and it was like, oh, Jeez, this is here we go again. So then it was just another two years. <laughs> just another kick in the pants. Now, did you feel that disconnect 
that you had been high profile, successful. I think that the acquisition of Scary Mommy had been, you know, the story kind of was like, this was a great thing and it had gone really well. Did you feel that disconnect about you were feeling very kind of adrift, but maybe people saw you as like, oh, she had this huge success story? Completely. And yeah, it was very surreal because at the time that was all true. That's it. Because it wasn't not true. I mean, you did have this huge success, but it wasn't quite happily ever after in that way. Exactly. And I couldn't really talk about that at the time. I went from really, you know, enjoying that and, you know, loving speaking at the conferences and loving doing interviews and, and podcasts and whatever, just really enjoying the spotlight to a degree to just wanting to hide and for two years, barely getting out of bed and I mean, I would, with my therapist, literally be in her office and she'd be working with me to like dial the number of the optometrist to make an eye doctor appointment because I was like, I couldn't even like do the most basic, ridiculous tasks. So it went from such extremes to the other, you know, one extreme to the other. But yeah, it was very, yeah, that element of, you know, sort of being in the public eye is very strange. Can we talk about being bipolar and parenting during this time. I mean, you needed to work on yourself. You're the mother of three kids. And I'm imagining at least some of the time you had them on your own. How did you manage all that? Yeah, it was a lot. And it was scary for them. They have definitely been along for the ride. And there's a lot of talk in our house about mental health and medication. And, you know, they are very attuned into me and know that I need to take care of myself. Yeah, it hasn't been easy. And knowing that, you know, there's more of a likelihood that they are, you know, that they will be affected and, you know, either by that or in some way with mental health issues is tough. But I think the most I can do is just be very communicative about it. And yeah, hope that they are as well with me. And let's talk about the journey out of that to where we are lost in our metaphor, let's call it your act three that's coming up, that I think there are so many women who you have extraordinary circumstances in several different categories, but your basic story of finding yourself kind of lost in early midlife with kids and having had this extreme success and now being home and feeling adrift You talked about obviously working with a therapist, but what does it look like for you to start moving from that place to where you are now for people who are there now? Hmm. It looks like effort. It looks like putting in a lot of effort every day. It looks like I have to make myself see friends, even though I know I like them. I know I enjoy them and they fuel me. It's still an effort. It's very much in my I default to depression and to just staying in bed and retreating. And it's, I look at my act three and I realize how much of my life I, even though with Scary Mommy, I was very public in certain ways, there was still so much of my private, private life that I kept like super secret and at the detriment of my health, my physical health, my mental health. And for act three, I cannot do that to myself. So I need to open up to friends, to family. And that's really how I'm looking at Act 3. That's so interesting because you were running this huge parenting site, right? That was about sort of bearing yourself and not just you, but everybody who came there, everybody who contributed. It's about this is who I really am. And yet you felt like there were 
parts of yourself that you were not sharing to the detriment of your mental health. Like this is in this moment of what we think of as like, we're all sharing everything. We're all hanging out our dirty laundry. There were still things that you can't tell anyone. I mean, that's not, of course there were, but that's a surprise to me to, to hear it now. Well, there was one part. There was how very dysfunctional my marriage was. But yes, there was that part. I think everybody, because I do think we're now in the era, we talk about it so much on the podcast and people talk about it as like, everyone's, we've gotten over the thing where we have to hide our real lives and we can share with people and there's all these sites and all this stuff that grew fundamentally out of Scary Mommy, but that nobody's doing that really. Everybody is still has secrets. Everyone still has things in their lives that are more difficult than like whatever they might be sharing. Everybody has things where they feel like failures or there's something really deep that they're not going. Even if they seem like they're out there on Facebook being like, here's everything about my family and what's going on with my kids. Everybody's doing that thing where there's secrets. And that's what I am hoping with Act 3 to introduce and to incorporate into my own life and the lives of people around me, because that's exactly it. And if I had opened up to even a single person in my life about what was going on in the most intimate relationship in my life, the way everything subsequently unfolded would have been entirely different. And, you know, it's very hard to look back and some things happened in a good way and some things in a bad way. But it's all about opening up because you just can't process everything. I mean, I didn't, I spent years just talking to therapists about just surface things. <laughs> it's so ridiculous when I think about it. Like paying people by the hour just to be like, isn't it so pretty out? Like I saw a rainbow the other day. It was so nice. <laughs> so ridiculous. I saw a really funny tweet that said, I know my therapist is like, I hope today's a gossip day, not a trauma day. And it's like, <laughs> right. You're just hoping they come in and talk about the birds and like stay away from the real stuff. Exactly. I want to take a break and talk about Act 3 and where this is all going next with Jill Smokler. We'll be right back. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down, 
Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. So we're talking to Jill Smokler, and we want to talk now about your new podcast, She's Got Issues. What did you want to explore when you started this podcast? I wanted to, to explore my issues, my plethora of issues. I felt like Scary Mommy explored everything I was facing at that time. And She's Got Issues will explore what I'm dealing with now and what my hopefully Scary Mommy friends and community have grown along with me and what they're experiencing now as well. You know, changing relationships, aging parents, menopause, just all of the stuff that we have coming that we're going through. It's just all the stuff that we aren't talking about enough that we need to be preparing for and that we can um, learn more from each other. And I think it is really interesting. We have listeners who are, as Amy said, young. We are what we like to call hashtag oldie locks. So we've been there through it all. I think so useful for parents of younger kids. And I mean, people tell us that this is what we provide is that the view from the future a little bit like we remember it, we could talk about what it was like to potty train, but we can also provide a little bit of perspective of where we are now, which is kind of where this is all going, which I think for parents of young kids, I just remember sitting with young babies and watching the World Series and being like, how are those people at a baseball game? They must not have children. Like, I could not imagine a world that was not just like painful breastfeeding bottles and never sleeping. But we weren't talking about we just did an episode on mom rage, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And both of us were very forthcoming in that episode about very regrettable moments in our own parenting that were brought on by exhaustion and overwhelm that we weren't telling our friends about when 15 years ago when those things happened. But now we can talk about them on a podcast. So I guess that's why it is useful. This is why even moms whose kids are still little can still learn from the stories that your guests are sharing. Yeah, Absolutely. And why it's valuable to listen to people in their, you know, 60s talk about this period in their lives. We definitely have a lot to learn from each other. And I've definitely learned at this point in my life that I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> 10, you know, 5, 10, 2, whatever years ago. So it's all yeah. a learning process. And that I think with the value of perspective, not to be too precious with it. Like, it's not as scary as you think. Like, that's kind of the perspective. I think that like, I once got so mad at my kid that I pulled his arm and dislocated his elbow. I would never have said that to anyone at the time. Right, exactly. At the time, right. I was like, this is the most shameful thing that's ever happened. I had to take my child to the ER because of an injury I gave him, right? Like, at the time, that was my darkest secret. Of course, I went to the ER and was like, oh, I was barely holding his hand. I can't imagine. He pulled away. Like, I didn't tell anybody what really happened. Oh, it's so relatable. And looking back 12 years later, I'm like, you know what? I have a temper. And I had to recognize in myself that I was a little bit dangerous around my kids when I was really, really angry. And I had to put in safeguards around that. And like, 
I could have never said that to myself at the time. I could have never said that to people out loud. And so talk to us a little bit about like other topics. I know you're talking about friendship. What are some of the topics that you've gotten into on the podcast that have been really meaningful for you? We've talked about the evolution of friendship. We have an episode um, coming up about straight spouses, which is very interesting. I'm talking to my friend, Kristen, whose husband came out of the closet after they were divorced. And she talks a lot about coming to terms with that, which was really interesting for me to hear her perspective. So it's really just me one-on-one with people who who have faced an issue that I'm interested in hearing about that I think other people would be intrigued with as well. And how do you think this is different? Like, how does this turn the wheel from where we all were in 2008 with blogs? And you know what? I'm going to tell the truth for once. How does that enable what you're now doing with this new format? Well, I look at it as a very similar thing. I look at it sort of as Scary Mommy 2.0. What Scary Mommy is now is something unrecognizable to me. It's a really kind of dumbed down, trashed up (laughs) version of what I started and what I was so proud of. So I'm trying to start something that kind of mimics what Scary Mommy was at the beginning in terms of the community and the core people and just what what really brought us together, but with the issues that we're facing now instead, but really just rooted around, you know, our for our kids are striving to find meaning and uh, careers that we love and, you know, way to find fulfilling relationships and connect with people and just all the stuff that we need to try to find what we want in life. How do you see, do you feel at this point in your journey, as we're talking to people maybe who are starting out there in those younger phases, like you've had a very unique journey through it, but what do you see, what are the lessons that you're hearing and visiting now that are useful to people who are, you know, maybe 15 years behind us in this journey? Definitely to open up. I think that is just the first and foremost, obviously, is just to be open about how hard things are and your struggles and depend on other people and recognize that nobody, regardless of how easy it looks like other people are having it, nobody is. This is not... Parenthood is not easy for anybody. And you just need to find the people who are willing to admit that. And they are out there, whether they're in your neighborhood, whether they're in your, you know, playgroups, or whether you seek them out online, they're there, you just need to find them. Because you're not the only parent who has dislocated your kid's arm, you know, because they're not listening to you. You're not the only parent who is, you know, who is hidden in the closet and screamed because you just are so frustrated with your kid. You're not the only one who has, you know, slammed the door and left the house and, you know, gone to your neighbor's side, whatever. You're not the only one who's done anything. And you just need to always remember that. So that's what I would come back to again and again. I think that's right. And I think your story is so interesting in that journey, having had this like huge kind of public success and then revisiting your story through the lens of like, where am I and how does this work? And I do want to say to our audience, we're all kind of public people and talking about this publicly. This doesn't mean start a blog about the most difficult, shameful thing that's happening in your life. This can be a conversation that just happens between a trusted friend. I mean, it doesn't mean putting yourself out there publicly, but just 
any kind of connection and listening to podcasts and listening, you hear strains of your own story. And I think that can be like the rope down the rabbit hole sometimes for people. Or the way out. You know, it can be extremely validating to say, oh, my God, like I saw this and it makes me feel better. That's our hope when we share difficult things on the podcast that that's going to help somebody find help or at least know she's less alone. Take the shame out of it. Exactly. Realizing you are not alone is the key to everything, I feel like. I mean, that just opens everything up. Yeah. And the idea that you going back to like the confessionals and how it began there, like the idea that there is something so bad in you or in your life or in your marriage or in your parenting, that it will be something that others you to other people and that there's no possibility for connection is something that I do think this conversation helps to take away that like, you're not as bad as you think, you know, there's nothing so bad that somebody can't relate to and connect to you. Jill, tell us where we can find She's Got Issues. You can listen to She's Got Issues anywhere you listen to your podcasts and you can follow it at She's Got Issues Media on Instagram. Great. And we will link to you at jillsmokler.com, correct? Awesome. That would be great. And to the podcast, we always make our guests easy to find for our listeners in our show notes. And Jill, thanks so much for talking to us. This was a great conversation. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, Jill. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.